all full of authentic points of view. Myself alone have at least 22. They come from the things that we have been through. Those things can either make or break you. Life is full of ups and downs. It's our choice to either smile or frown. Please choose to smile today. Because it's one thing that's free to give away. People say that life isn't hard. It's what you make of it. But what if only struggle surrounds you? What can you take from it? Life can be hard and some things aren't fair. Please listen to others just to be aware. All I'm saying, you never know what someone's going through. Just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Hopefully this podcast will help you see. You are not alone. You have at least got me. We are more alike than you may know. But if we stay quiet, we will never grow. Don't ever give up because you got this. If you quit, think of all the opportunities that you could miss. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Authentic Points of View. My name is Danielle Boer, and I'm the host, as always. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are so awesome. Woohoo! Thank you. I really appreciate you. I wouldn't be able to do this without you. Uh, so I know I told you guys before that I'm going to start video. I think October the 5th is the date. Okay, so look forward to that. All right. Now, I'm excited about today's guest for many reasons. I'll tell him in a minute, too. <laughs> he doesn't know why. But uh, so I meet people in different ways. And I met him through a group. And I saw uh, his story and what he's doing. And I thought he was amazing. So I wanted to bring him on. Now, Shane Thrapp is a certified ADHD life relationship and career coach who has helped hundreds of people find their path through the chaos of life with ADHD and find their own oh sorry find their order and purpose through his business creating order from chaos welcome Shane to the show thank you so much for having me on you're welcome I'm excited you'll find out in a little bit <laughs> why I'm excited uh so I just want to get into it. Uh, what age were you when you were diagnosed with ADHD? And can you just kind of briefly explain what ADHD is? I'm sure everybody knows, but maybe somebody doesn't know. You'd actually be fairly surprised. Uh, a lot of people don't know what ADHD wow. is, really. Um, so the, uh, the common thing about ADHD is it stands for uh, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Um, it's a uh, type of, it's a neurotype of the brain. Um, it is not actually a, a disorder so much as it is just a different way our brain is like constructed. Um, the wiring is a, a little bit different. There's different sizing and things of that nature of di different areas of the brain. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of mainstream scientists and doctors who are really starting to push for renaming it and calling it a different thing and recognizing it that it's a, um, that it has a lot of sim similarities with autism and things of that uh, nature in that it's just a different way of thinking, a different uh, structure of the brain, and, and that it's actually not a disorder so much as it just makes things hard in our kind of society. Um, I, um, <laughs> I was actually diagnosed at age 34 um, oh. with ADHD. I had an idea when I was 30 that I had it. My son was uh, diagnosed with it by his school, and I wanted to like, 
be there for him. I wanted to be, you know, supportive of him because his mom was very anti-mental health, anti, um, really like pushing and uh, really understanding like the importance of mental health. And so I knew he would need me. And so as I'm reading through all the documentation and then, and I started like really delving into the science behind ADHD and the symptoms and things of that nature, like I started seeing a lot of like uh, commonalities between what I had gone through in my life, uh, jumping from job to job, jumping from relationship to relationship, just being in these different uh, environments where I just wasn't able to really fit into the society, fit into the expectations of my bosses, fit into the uh, expectations of the girls and, and women that I was dating. And so when I started reading into it, I was like, oh man, okay. And I, you know, my wife is a, a special needs teacher and she and I uh, were having conversations about it. And I went to her, I was like, man, I think I have ADHD. And she was like, oh honey, you didn't know? And I was like, <laughs> no, I didn't know. She's like, oh, yeah, I've I've known. I was like, how long have you known? She's like, since I read your dating profile. And I'm like, why didn't you say anything? And she's like, you're a guy. I just kind of assumed you knew and just didn't want to talk about it. And I'm like, ugh. But anyways, so that's that's how long I've had ADHD, or I've had ADHD all my life, but that's how long I've known I've had it. And I've been, I've been studying ADHD since uh, for 10 years now. That's awesome. So, um, shout out to your wife for being a special needs teacher. That is right? a hard job. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. How wonderful yeah. of her. She's a rock so, star at it too. She gets uh, recognition from her school all the time. There, um, there's a number of her peers and and principals and superintendents who have been like really promote, uh, really uh, talking to her about promoting her into a teaching the teacher kind of role and, and things of that nature. And so, yeah, my wife is amazing. Wow. That is so awesome. Now. Um, so. I'm asking you this. So let me tell you what I have in common with you. Um, because my son. Um, oh my goodness. He got diagnosed at four years old. Mm -hmm. So ADHD. Um, ODD, but then he had diagnosed with Asperger's, which they don't call it that anymore. He's 19. And yeah, <laughs> so we, uh, we've been through a lot. Um, he's awesome and I love him and, but we've been through a lot. So since you didn't know you had ADHD, um, we can maybe ask about you or your son, but why... Did you have any problems in school with like behavior or learning or paying attention at all? All of the above. Um, I didn't have, uh, well, I guess I did have a few issues with behaviors, but um, so see, my dad was an alcoholic abuser, right? I'm he was sorry. hardcore, like, like hardcore abuser. Um, um, and my mom was a part of a church that was a fundamentalist, you know, Southern Pentecostal. Uh, Pentecostal church. And so their idea of mental health care was like casting the demons out of you. And so I had like my first exorcism when I was 11. Um, oh my goodness. And so, so I didn't have a whole lot of behavior issues because behavior issues equaled pain. And people with ADHD understand that punishment. Um, unfortunately, uh, it causes significant trauma to us. It, uh, well, 
look, beating and, and spanking your children causes significant trauma to every, any person. But when you have ADHD, it's it's especially worse because of how our brain processes trauma. Um, we're four times more likely to develop uh, PTSD. Um, we're uh, six times more likely to develop depression, you know, and in, 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 uh, like five or seven times. I can't remember what the number is for anxiety, but that it's a fairly high number for anxiety as well. Um, and so I didn't really have a problem with behaviors in school because small town America, everybody knew my dad, they would tell him. Um, what I did have a problem with was I was extremely intelligent. I was also, uh, um, I also discovered at uh, 34 that I was on the autism spectrum, uh, formerly known as uh, um, Asper Asperger's. Uh, and so I was really, really good at a number of different um, um, uh, um courses or, or subjects like English, history, physics, sciences, things of that nature. I was extremely good at those, uh, but I was horrible at math. Anything mm. that was above pre-algebra, I was just absolutely horrid at it. But my dad had really high expectations of what he expected me to make, so I had to figure out ways to get around the system. Um, I had a, a college level reading level at seventh grade, and I literally read my library out of books. You know, it was just, I, I kept running out of them. And my mom, my mom was having to like go to other uh, school libraries and other uh, public libraries around us. But since we lived so far in, out in the country, that wasn't always feasible. Um, but then the internet came around. And of course, I had the internet to read from. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I was always very, very smart. Um, but... Because people would see me being super smart in these other subjects, they would always just criticize me unfairly because of math. They're like that criticism, like, well, you know, you do so well here. Why can't you do well with math? And I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of like teaching me Greek. I have no idea how to speak that language, you know, and, and you know, we see this a lot. There's a lot of different learning disabilities that uh, occur in uh, uh, concordance with um ADHD, autism, there's just, that's a thing that happens. And so it, it was really frustrating. And so I stopped caring about school and I literally just phoned it in. However, phoning it in for me meant I just read my textbooks within a week or so and then slept through the rest of the class. And since the teachers always stuck to the textbook, I was able to take all the tests and do all the homework and do all the reports and everything like that off the, you know, without having any real, uh, I didn't have to push myself to do so. And that was really frustrating for my teachers because they're like, we can't get him to pay attention in class. However, I'm still making straight A's, high nineties, high, you know, you know, you know, a plus, uh, grades. And they're like, we just want him to stay awake. And of course I'm like, no, you're boring. <laughs> um, and so like, you know, and I had a few teachers who got it. I, you know, that, that realized what I was dealing with, uh, you know, but again, at this time, you know, my mom had gotten me tested for ADHD and I didn't, you know, back in that time that testing for ADHD was like, here's a Ritalin pill, you know, <laughs> and if you get really super hyperactive, then, you know, you didn't have uh, ADHD. And if you, you know, if you turned into a normal child, you know, you have ADHD, now, what that doesn't test for is if you have uh, um, an attentive ADHD, Ritalin doesn't always work for you. And I was one of those people. So 
yeah, it was it was really difficult in school because I had the social awkwardness that comes from being high functioning autism, and I I masked early on. Right, I wanted to fit in with people, so I would like create these kind of caricatures of what I thought was a cool person. But mm -hmm. there's always this weird uncanny valley uh, effect that happens where it's not quite right, and the people around you can tell that there's just something that's slightly off, and you're not quite the same as us. And so there was a lot of just weird interactions and joking at the wrong time and laughing at the wrong time and just not fitting in. And that was just kind of my childhood. You know, I just, I never fit in. Well, lots of us don't. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because to me, I say there's no norm, like nothing is normal. Right. So, cause who defines normal? Like that's, that's what I always say. So people will say, well, I wasn't normal or I'm weird. I'm like, well, we're all weird. Like everybody has some tendencies or something where somebody else would go, huh? Like, you know what? You think that you do that? You know, so to me, it's like, I always tell people, this is just my opinion. I'm just one person, but we're all abnormal in ways because I feel like there's no set way to be we're all different for a reason you know and so it we all have reasons why we stick out or we don't fit in or whatever or even the most popular kids would still have something where you would go oh that's you know what i'm saying but so i understand my <laughs> my son oh my gosh i love him he it was difficult now he had a uh, severe um, ADHD to the point where he rocked back and forth mm -hmm. and he was born like literally at two months old he was already rocking back and forth and he was very very strong and he could hold himself up and he would not stay still I couldn't get pictures taken of him I couldn't get like it, it was just hard he wouldn't watch TV he just he was just his own self like and so now that he's 19, it's like a totally, I mean, he's just totally different. He still, you know, probably loses focus, but he's a manager at his job. Now, I don't know if I ever talked about this, but I'm a very honest person. So he never finished school. And it got to the point where he was getting in trouble so much that as a parent, and I know people were against this, and he was skipping school and he was getting in trouble. And I'm like, this is not working out. And so forcing him to go was causing so many more problems and just in himself. And he didn't understand so many things in school. So he was like 11th grade. He was going to be in 11th grade. And he was... No, he was going to be in ninth grade again. I'm so sorry. He had to take ninth grade again, but he was going to be like 16 in ninth grade. And he, that was a lot of pressure for him and just everything. So it got to the point where, you know, I was like, he's just, you know, we're just going to take him out of school. So he's working on his GED and that's very hard for him also, because every time he has to learn something new, he internalizes it and just explodes and doesn't know what to do and it just makes him very frantic you know so it was hard and being a parent I was a very young parent 
I had him at 20 years old. I already had one kid. So I had two kids by 20. So he was very different than my other son. And he would cry every time he had homework. He didn't understand it. So me being um, a young mom, I tried so hard and I wanted him. And he's been in counseling. He started counseling at four, four years old because I knew something was going on and I couldn't exactly help him, you know? So I just wanted him to get some kind of help. And he was in a program called Easter Seals, which is amazing. And uh, so, you know, as time went on, he was, he's very smart. He would catch on, but it would take him longer than other people, mm -hmm. but it would get him frustrated and upset because, you know, people are mean, kids are mean. And so, yeah, you probably experienced that. And so it's just, it's rough and it was hard. And as a parent, you want, just like you said, with your son, I wanted to fix everything for him, but you, but you can't, you know, you can just be their support and try to help as much as you can give them. So back then we didn't really have internet stuff either. Um, but uh, give them as, well, we had an internet, but it wasn't like it is today. There wasn't as much information. So, you know, just be there for him and get as much outside help as I could. And he's he's doing great. He's a manager at his job now. And eventually he's going to get his GED, but I'm not even pushing it because he's being a good human being. He's not getting in trouble anymore. And... You know, once he stopped school, honestly, he didn't get in trouble anymore. It was like, it was crazy. I mean, that's, that's, that's actually really common. Um, really? Yeah. So, so here's the thing about ADHD. Whenever you're dealing with it, uh, you, you, you don't have the same functions as neurotypical people uh, uh, have. And school is very much built around neurotypical kids. You said something earlier, and I'm just going to push back a little bit on it, uh, um, that, you know, everybody's a little weird and things like, like as, as far as that's concerned. And that's true. Everybody, there is no normal out there. However, neurotypical people are able to fit into a certain mold yeah. and mask into that mold that makes them able to function in our society in a better way, in a more uh, functional way. Whereas people right. with ADHD or on a spectrum have a different way of thinking that isn't built mm -hmm. in that same mold. So us trying to fit into it is very hard. And what scientists and doctors, uh, such as like uh, Bill Dobson, or Dodson, I say his name wrong all the time, um, have started really understanding over the about, about the past 10 to 15 years is we have to stop treating people who are neurodivergent as something that's broken or disabled or things mm -hmm. of that nature. We have to start stop trying to force them to fit into this neurotypical mold because that's not who they are. The reason that we see so many behaviors and um, uh, disabilities from being neurodivergent is because of our inability to like function in that system because we don't have an inherent understanding of who, what, when, where, why, and how. That's the executive functions of our brain in the prefrontal cortex. It doesn't work the same way. We understand punishments to a certain level, but for us are much more traumatic. We understand like being happy with, um, with doing certain things, but we don't have the same reward system that neurotypical people have. So it's, it's not as important to us. And we don't have an attention deficit. We pay attention to too many things. Mm -hmm. And even 
our brains, where people sit here and they kind of assign um, ADHD as some hyperactive um, output, right? The, the people we see who are super hyper, they're super out there, extreme emotions and stuff like that. You know, the thing that the difference between hyperactive uh, ADHD and inattentive ADHD is the hyperactivity is on the inside for uh, inattentive ADHD. Our brains are moving too fast. We're forgetful. We don't pay attention to the world that's around us. We're dreamers. We, you know, there's too many things that distract us. And, you know, the the things that we need to focus on, if it's not really important to us, it doesn't really matter. You know, out of sight, out of mind. If it's not in our direct line of sight where we're paying attention to it, then it really doesn't matter. And our memory says, whatever, we're done. And all of that kind of circles around to our school system not being designed to honor that, right? Our school system is meant to churn people out to be into a workforce, to go into uh, college, to become XYZ thing. And what we see is when, uh, uh, when, when people with ADHD are given a different type of structure, right? A supportive family, a supportive therapy system, a supportive teacher system, and actually allowing the children and, and, and young adults to learn in the way that they learn best, mm -hmm. right? And to learn the things that they want to learn and to learn the things that they need to learn that interest them, we see them thrive. Where we see them struggle is when people are trying to force um, things that they don't think are important onto them. And that's when we start seeing the behaviors. Like if you give me math and you say, do this, you know, uh, this calculus pro uh, uh, thing, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to start. Remember the who, what, when, where, why, and how. I don't get it. Even if you sit here and explain it to me in very basic understandings, I am going to have a very hard time working through it because my learning style is kinesthetic. I have to talk to people and work through things like that. And our schools aren't designed for that, right? They're verbal and auditory teaching. And that's that's why I did so poorly in those classes. Where I thrived was whenever I was able to have conversations with my teachers or science experiments or things of that nature, right? Where I was able to interact with the thing that I was needing to learn. And our schools just uh, are moving away from that more and more as they focus more on testing, you know, rote learning, passing the test, because that's where funding comes into play. Our education system is built on funding for passing tests due to um, 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 George W. Bush and uh, Barack Obama. They both put in place funding to be based on testing scores to improve like No Child Left Behind and things of that nature. Well-meaning, however, neurotypical and minded because neurodivergent people develop at a different rate, develop at a different style, and they de develop at a different, um, you know, age than other people. We're usually about a year to three years behind the, the, the average neurotypical child. That doesn't mean we're stupid. It just means we learn differently and we process differently and we develop a little bit differently. Our brains are different. That's why. Sorry, that was yeah. a whole lot I just threw at you. I apologize. No, no, you're good. You speak what you know is to be true. And I didn't mean anything against you on no, that. No, no, I know. No. I know. So um, because I probably, and I made a joke about it, but it's not very funny. Um, I say that uh, I do comedy on the side. I don't know if you know that. 
but I do stand up. And so um, I joke about how I finally got up the nerve to get <laughs> diagnosed with anxiety and ADHD by Dr. TikTok. But the, the truth is I'm very much, I probably should have gotten tested. Um, I have a very hard time finishing tasks. I just was talking about some, something today to my friend. I will literally start something. It will be right in front of me. Um, and say, I'm trying to reach out to someone about the podcast or something. And then five seconds later, I think about something else. And then I stop that and I don't finish it. And so sometimes it gets so overwhelming that you don't know where to start. You have no clue because it's like, now I have 500 things to do, 500 half things to do instead of three whole things, you know? Mm -hmm. So I understand completely, like completely. Um, so I just haven't gone and got diagnosed. And, you know, as a nurse, it's really hard being like that. I have to try extra hard to focus and extra hard to not let the outside things distract me because there's a lot of beeping and there's a lot of other people talking and there's a lot of this, this, and that. And sometimes I can't tell where the beeping is coming from. Sometimes I think it might be my patient, but it's over there. And so... That's something I have to try really, 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 really hard to do because so easily I can just, I'm hearing so many things at one time and it's like processing it is very much, you know, kind of like a ball of yarn sometimes. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, that's not a proper, that is not a medical way to say it. That's not a proper way to say it. That's just how I feel in my, my brain sometimes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's gotta be hard in school. I remember one time I am very bad at taking tests and I'm a nurse. And so that was very hard in school. Very, very hard. I literally cried one time taking a test and the teacher stayed with me an hour and a half, two hours after class. And she said, you're going to fail. And I cried. I said, what? She said, can you see the test? I said, no, I was crying. I was like hyperventilating and crying. So she said, you're not going to be successful. But when she asked me the question out loud, which we don't do this in college, it's all the same test for everyone. When she asked me the question out loud, I answered it. But mm -hmm. when I saw it on the paper, I couldn't. I freaked out. I just couldn't, you know, and we had tests all the time. So, so it's like, holy moly. But anyway, yeah. Now, with, you talked about the Ritalin thing and... Oh boy. I just want to know your opinion. Um, because I tried everything with my son and unfortunately, you know, after I changed his diet and no red dyes and no this and no that and whatever, um, I ended up putting him on medication and I was very careful about certain ones. Do you believe that medication helps or do, are you strictly just like a, how, what do you feel like about medication what do you think um so here's the thing about adhd um and you know autism for the most part uh medication helps a lot of people right it should be literally one of the first things that people put in and put in place you know you go to a psychiatrist you get tested you 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 tell them what you're dealing with and you say you know i believe i have adhd i'd like to get tested for it 
Uh, that's what people should be doing. And spe specifically, I'm talking to you about this. You should go to your psychiatrist and get tested okay, because thanks. here's the thing. When it comes to ADHD, medication helps a lot of people. Um, but medication isn't all there is. Um, because of issues with things like comorbidities, like autism spectrum, uh, mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, oppositional defiance disorder, all of these are comorbidities that come um, with ADHD a lot of times. And so you have to figure out that with a psychiatrist, the general practitioner has a hard time with this because they're just going to throw medication at you. Like what kind of medication you need, what kind of medication you can take, and then kind of work through the process with them of finding the right dosage and types of medications that you need and things along those lines. And, you know, back 20 years ago, it wasn't as developed as what it is now. And, you know, there wasn't as, you know, much variety in medications. There wasn't the, the like time release and things of that nature of different medications. And, and so now we have the ability to kind of test that stuff out. That being said, though, ADHD isn't really um, about just medication. ADHD is also about, especially in adults, um, going and finding therapists, you know, specifically cognitive behavioral therapists who can work with you and teach you and show you how to discover critical thinking skills, how to figure out the who, what, when, where, and why of how of yourself, right? You have to learn about yourself, how ADHD affects you how to communicate with people about ADHD and how to understand the tools that you need, uh, you know, to process things like your emotions because of emotional dysregulation, how to process things like the trauma that you've uh, had to deal with all your life of not fitting in and things of that nature, the trauma of having to deal with parents who refuse to understand you, teachers who refuse to understand you, peers that refuse to understand you, and spouses and loved ones who just chose to remain ignorant about what, how and uh, ADHD affected you. Um, and so that's really, really important for you to have that therapy. The, the other aspect of all of it is support, um, family support, the people around you choosing and, and willing, who are willing to learn with you about ADHD and how it affects you and, you know, help you with learning how to you know, do the various things that you need to get done. Right? What kind of tool set does a person who is an adult needs for ADHD? What kind of you know things can you put in place? External tools, because remember I said earlier, like you know, a lot of the things that we that neurotypical people have that are inherent, the who, what, when, where, why, and how, that's very internal for them, and they're able to do things. However, with ADHD, we have to have external tools. We have to have external stimulation. We have to have external um, 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 gratitude and support and encouragement and things of that nature for us to feel good about ourselves, for us to thrive. You know, we need external tools like alarm clocks and calendars and task lists and journaling and things of that nature. And that's really hard for us because we don't understand the why of it, you know, and we have to figure out the why. Why do I need these things? Well, you need these things because that's how our brains work. And that's why you have to learn about how ADHD affects you. 
you know, we have to figure out the, you know, when am I supposed to do these things? You need to do them as often as you possibly can so that they become habits over time. And then as you start to discover the, the why and the how, you, you start discovering the what. What tools work for me the best? What things can I do around myself to make it where I can remember things easier? I, you know, what things can I do to make sure that I'm on time for appointments? What things can I put in place to remember that I need to do X, Y, Z things, right? Once you have that understanding, you start to develop the when. When do I need to do these things? When do I need to write down the tasks that I need to do? immediately as soon as you know that you need to do a task you need to write it down immediately because you're going to forget about it mm -hmm. you know you need to put it in your phone you need to text yourself whatever you have to do whatever tool that you discover that you need that's how you develop the win right you know and you know as you kind of go through these this is what starts teaching you the how right? You've started kind of understanding the other four aspects of this. And so now you understand the how. I know that I need to have a paper calendar because I'm an analog person. Having a paper calendar makes me happy. And then I know when to put in appointments because I can immediately write down on it when I put the appointments in. And I know that, you know, I understand the, the like, you know, Understanding all of these different things and then understanding the how to do these things helps us understand the who we are, right? How we learn things, what we need to do to make sure we retain things, what we need to do, you know, how to make things work in our lives helps us discover who we are. What are our passions, right? What do we do? What do we do consistently enough that it's become a habit? How did it become a habit for us? right? What things did we put in place that made this thing that we absolutely love to do a habit? And how can I take that stuff and apply it to these things that I'm not so fond of, right? And that's really important for us as far as, um, you know, developing the treatments for ADHD. How does this apply for our kids? As they're getting older throughout their life, we should be teaching them these things. We should be giving them the support and encouragement and love that they need. We should be mama and papa bears. If people come at our children crooked, we should be immediately in their face telling you, no, you will not treat my child this way. These are the things, these are the tools that my kids need. This is how my child learns. This is what we've discovered together, makes them function better and, and easier to assimilate into the environments that they're at. And we have to give them that support. They need to see us standing up for them so that they understand that we're safe spaces, that we are the, we are the ones that they can come to if they're struggling. And they, with us understanding how to communicate with them, and them understanding that we want to work to communicate with them, instead of them having those behaviors, they'll, they'll work harder to communicate. Give them the tools to communicate. Does that mean a storyboard where they can point at a thing that I want? You know, I want this. I'm feeling this way, you know, with smiley faces, sad faces, angry faces, teaching them what those mean when they're really frustrated and mad. See, all right, hey, you're feeling very frustrated. See this one? You're feeling very frustrated right? What do you need from here? And it's like a whole like laundry list of different things that they've identified. 
it's a whole it's it's a whole system that has to be put in place to treat yourself if you have ADHD and you can put it in place at any age. You know, I'm I don't know how old you are, you know. Um, I just turned 40. I'm 40 as well because when Yay! I learned that I had ADHD. So it's never too late to learn it's never too late to learn these things and it's never too early to put these kind of pl- things in place. Right? My toddlers are 3. I do all of this stuff with my toddlers. Because regardless of what's going to happen, regardless of whether or not they're neurotypical or neurodivergent, you know, you know, even though we understand that there's a genetic component there, if you have children with ADHD or autism, you're 25% more likely to have it yourself. If you have ADHD or autism in your family, your kids are 60% more likely to have it. You know, since we know that, you know, we, we can put those things in place because even if they do wind up not having it, these things still help neurotypical kids. Right. They still thrive on encouragement. They still thrive on being able to communicate. They still thrive on understanding that their parents are safe and can be and can be, you know, you can talk to them about whatever you need without worrying about being punished for it. You know, these things help neurotypical children as well. And so that's why we have to sit here and say that there's an entire system that has to be put in place. A lot of doctors are starting to get this who are psychiatrists and pediatricians. A lot of therapists are starting to get this and understand it, but it's taking a lot of time. You know, a scientist understood this 25 years ago. Psychiatrists and and, uh, pediatricians and other specialists understood this 15 years ago. You know, 10 years ago, five years ago, teachers started really understanding these things. Parents are still catching up, which is actually why I became an ADHD life coach. Right. I created my business, creating order from chaos because, yeah, I could have gone into therapy. I could have gone into psychology and psychiatry, but I'm a solutions based oriented kind of person. Mm-hmm. I like to give people and walk people through problem solving and critically thinking about things. I like taking the chaotic nature of people's lives and helping them find the different ways to build order from it and still be creative and still have fun and still enjoy life and not feel like they're building this entire structured system that's built for neurotypical people. They need to understand that they're building their own system that's based on their own way of doing things that functions in the way that they want it to. And that's that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm that's why I chose to get the you know, the certifications that I have, the degrees that I've worked with and, and, and working with my wife, who's a special needs teacher, is how I work with parents who have special needs kids, neurodivergent kids, and how to help them, like, build up the system so that they understand positive reinforcement, positive parenting styles, communication, and, like, how to develop an understanding of what behaviors the child is exhibiting and what that communication is that they're wanting and it's just like it been this kind of like natural progression from being a project manager for 15 years into kind of then developing it into being a project manager for people so. that's awesome a project manager for life that's really awesome i love that i love that you first of all i love the name of it um because you're right. It can be like chaos. And like, sometimes I use the word overwhelming, but it definitely could be, it is like, like chaos. Like you said, I, <laughs> I love my boyfriend. I'm going to talk about him for a second because he, 
doesn't understand it. He's very much detail oriented. And a lot of people in my life, like my sister and like that, they're very much like that, 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 that. Everything has structure and I'm the opposite. I'd be not because I want to, I don't want to be like mm-hmm. that, but it's just, that's how my world is. So he would ask me because he can clean something in 20, 30 minutes. It takes me three weeks. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And, and he'll ask me like, why don't you just finish this first instead of moving on? And so trying to teach my daughter that is hard because I'm trying to do it myself, you know? So I'll tell her, no, McKenna, you have to do this in your room and you have to do this. And, you know, this is going to help you and stuff like that. And she's probably looking at me like, well, you don't do that. And I try to explain to her, I want you to do it this way because, you know, as a kid, I wish that this was in, you know, and I love my parents, but I wish that they would have paid because my mom and my brother, my brother passed away uh, at 26, but he had OCD very, very bad. And my mom has some OCD and I was the opposite of that. And so I felt weird in the house, you know, like I was, I guess we can say strange one or whatever. I was different. And so, but I saw how obsessive that that was and it steered me to be I was nervous of that I was like I don't want to be controlled by everything you know and so yeah so it's like it's so funny when you're talking I'm like oh my goodness like it kind of just reminds me of so many things but when you talk about school like it was a hard situation because I feel like sometimes you don't get backed up as a parent but also I want to you might not agree with me on this but I have two sides to it So the no child left behind, I feel like, like you said, it's for neurotypical, but it kind of was like an enabler for my son. Meaning I, he, he just thought sometimes like, I know he tried very, very hard, but then it got to the point where he realized in eighth grade, I remember I was at work. I was a nurse. I was at work. I had to leave outside to talk to the school that told me that they're going to pass him to high school, even though he hadn't really passed any of the classes. He didn't pass any of the tests. He didn't understand the information. And you're making him go to a higher level of education when he doesn't even understand the stuff with tutors, with this, with that. And it was very frustrating. And it was like, you're not doing what's the best interest for him. But even though he was happy to not have to repeat, because he did repeat a grade um, when he was younger. So he repeated first grade and nobody backed me up. I told them in kindergarten, there was a, in Ohio, there was this awesome class called junior first. So meaning it was a step before first grade and a lot of boys, it was almost all boys in the class because they needed a little bit more time. And I wanted him to go to that class and the teacher I love, their, their teacher that they ended up all three of my boys had her sons went to that class and she was like, you know, vouching. And they said, no, they wouldn't agree because his kindergarten teacher wouldn't agree with it. So he went to first grade, poor thing was struggling and he was trying so hard and it's like defeat for him, you know? And then they wouldn't give him an IEP because he's young and it costs too much money to, you know, invest in that and all this stuff. So I fought for four three, four grade years after he even got held back to get him an IEP. 
It was ridiculous. And then the case manager, thank goodness we had a case manager. And she was amazing. She was like, and I was a single mom. She was the other parent. She helped me with everything. She was at our meetings. She was there, you know, she was backing us up. And so I feel like, you know, that's sometimes so frustrating as a parent because it's like, why are you going against, because it's all about money. And that's how it is in healthcare too. It's about mm -hmm. money. And, you know, it was very hard. But the thing that I was saying that you might not agree with is that like sometimes it got to the point where he would even say, well, it doesn't matter because, you know, they're just going to let me go to the next grade anyways. And so then when he got in ninth grade, he didn't get to go to the next grade. So it was like it set him up for failure because he had this mindset of like, this is going to be acceptable. And he tried so hard when he was little. And then it just, even though he was trying and trying and trying, it was like he just felt like, you know, he wasn't progressing even though he was trying and he's just like, whatever. And then, you know, one ninth grade year, then the next ninth grade year. And then it just got to the point where it was just like, you know, in the school, they literally stopped his IEP once because they said, well, I can't remember the excuse of why they stopped it, but then they wouldn't reinforce it or give it back because, oh, it costs too much money. We're going to have to start over. Why'd you stop it anyway? You know, it's just like, it's so frustrating. I'm glad there's people like you because you're, you can help greatly. And I wish I would have known you a long time ago, even for myself, uh, but you didn't know either a long time ago either. When, uh, so when he was little, you know, uh, even if I knew you, you didn't get into this practice yet. So, but anyway, sorry, I am uh, very much go on a tangent, but I mean, it's, re it's related to what we're saying, but go ahead. If you have anything to say uh, to what I said, you can. I mean, here's the thing. I actually don't disagree with you. Okay. You know, that that's the damaging part about no child left behind. It doesn't recognize that some kids need to be like worked with in a specific way so that right. they're able to understand and understand the subject matter before they move on. And that may mean more time in certain subjects. Um, there's amazing talks by Sir Ken Robinson on TED Talks. Okay. Uh, in fact, he has the, the most viewed TED Talk of all time was the one that he did in 2006. And in it, he talks about the, 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 the system that our education system has become and how it is and, and, and the flaws that are in it and why they hurt neurodivergent children, right? We see all of these kids and we're seeing it getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Every single year we have seen a more diagnosis of ADHD, more diagnosis of autism, things of that nature where because of our, are because of people starting to recognize what it means to have ADHD or to have high functioning autism, what kind of signs that they're looking at. And we're seeing more and more kids who have this being recognized, but we are not changing our school system to acknowledge that. Because I go back to what I said earlier, the, the school system now has to be about money because there's been a, and I'm not trying to throw specific political parties under the bus here, but there's been an increase of the negligence of our school systems by certain parties who refuse to acknowledge that our teachers need to be paid more. Mm, our yes. teachers need special assistants who can come in and help them with 
with kids who are struggling. Our teachers are needing more support from uh, special needs experts and psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists who can come in and help them with students that need that kind of structure and support. You know, our teachers and our kids are needing the acknowledgement that there needs to be, we need to move away from the very archaic age-based school system mm -hmm. towards a system that acknowledges the abilities and capabilities and uh, uh, potential of the kids, how they learn, right? We don't acknowledge how the different ways of children and how they learn because we know that there's multiple different types of learning, auditory, visual, um, kinesthetic learning, and some kids are severely kinesthetic learners. Some kids are a mixture of the three, and we don't acknowledge that in the school system. We stick to almost exclusively auditory and visual learning, and some kids can't keep up with that, right? And IEPs and 504 uh, uh, programs are too difficult for parents to really push for because they don't understand the system well enough. They don't understand, and they're not involved in the education of our kids because and I'm gonna go into the social aspect of this, they're having to work two jobs, they're single parents, they're not able to, to be as involved as they need to be and want to be. And that system gets ex you know extremely noticeable when we start to look at urban environments and rural environments, right? The high, the, 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 the low population rural environments and the high density urban environments, African-American uh, children, people of color children, um, we see a huge um, um, dispar uh, disparity in diagnosis of ADHD and autism in uh, white children versus African-American children. However, we understand and know, scientifically, data speaking, that they have the same amount, statistically speaking, of occurrences of ADHD and autism. However, uh, people of color and people in the rural communities don't have access to the same resources. Their schools yeah. do not have access to the same resources. So the schools can't give the parents the support that they need. They can't give the children the support that they need because they have to focus on testing for money. Right, they have to pass certain tests or they don't get the federal funding that they absolutely have to have because of the political circumstances that we're in where certain parties are trying to pull as much money out of education as possible and use it in other things. And this is causing an incomplete system of where our children are struggling and being left behind anyways, even though it's no child left behind. And we're seeing teachers flooding out of the system because they don't have the support that they need. And we're seeing other teachers who aren't qualified being introduced into the system who do not have the education, the background, or the understanding of how to teach kids who have special needs and different learning styles and things of that nature. And we're seeing a round robin of all these different things that are coming together within our system over the past 15 years. And it's really frustrating. It's extremely frustrating as a parent to be in this kind of system. It's super frustrating if you're a parent who wants to give your child the support, but you are not making a living wage working one job and you're having to work two to three jobs or work really weird off hours or, you know, things of that nature just to literally survive. 
And then, of course, now we're looking into the frustration factor of the parent at the child and not at the system that they're in. They're frustrated at the child who cannot control what's going on around them. And now they're causing trauma to the child because ongoing stressors and frustration and anger, not understanding ADHD, not being taught about how to give their child the support that they need. And so this this huge confluence of all these different socioeconomic factors that's making being neurodivergent even worse in America. Yeah, it, it's really, I, wow. Yeah, you're right. It's hard. No, in urban, so I lived in Baltimore and mm -hmm. I, I live in Severn, want... Maryland. Stop. That's where my baby is. Oh, my old, my, so my 19 year old, the one that was getting in trouble, he eventually moved in with his dad. So he's not in Severn. Sorry. His, um, his grandparents live in Severn. And mm -hmm. then I lived in Hanover. So we lived right around the corner from each other. And, uh, that's where I grew up. I went to school at Mead High School. Okay, and I know exactly what you're talking about. That's so cool. We have something else in common. So my son is actually in, who knows, because I think his dad lives in Glen Burnie. They're like in Glen Burnie. Mm -hmm. That's actually where my brother passed away. Uh, my mom lived in Glen Burnie, and my brother lived with my mother. So, um, yeah, that's my old stomping grounds, and that's really cool. Um, wow, how crazy. So... They are, um, but I lived in, literally lived in Baltimore. And so mm -hmm. um, at one point, once I left, uh, Harmon's Woods is where, that's my neighborhood, Harmon's Woods in Hanover. So by the mall. And, I bought um, there before. Uh, <laughs> did I? So, no, I don't sell drugs. <laughs> you did. I bet you did. I bet you was from one of my lovely friends that I had. We're the same age. When did you live there? <laughs> I lived there from 2002 to 2008. <gasps> what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, what where where in Severn did you live? Um there is a townhome complex that's literally about 4 miles from the Anne Arundel Mall. Mm -hmm. I can't I, like I, I was literally like two I was I lived on a road that was like two miles from Fort Meade and four or five mm -hmm. miles from uh, Anne Arundel mm -hmm. uh, Mall. Yep, so I know I was exactly. like four miles from Glen Burnie going west of, or I think south and east of me. Yep, so. like Millersville Road, like mm -hmm. it was the one way, Severn Road. Yep, exactly. I know exactly where. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. How crazy is this? So speaking of, no, we're not speaking of that, but sports wise, <laughs> Kevin Durant used to play off of Seven mm -hmm. Road. He used to play at that one. There was a park. All my friends lived in that neighborhood. Oh, mama. Um, but he used to play at one of those parks over there and play basketball with everybody. So that's really cool. And um, when they mentioned it, I was like, yay. Oh, I think it was Kevin Durant. Um, I hope I'm right because I don't like to state <laughs> misfacts. But yeah, so anyway, that's really cool. I don't know what my point was of it. See, there we go. <laughs> you were talking about Baltimore, uh, Baltimore education. Oh, mama. welcome to the ADHD yeah. podcast, everyone. Yes. I hope welcome. you're enjoying these tangents. Yeah, really. I go off to the left. And do I find my way back around? 
most Meh, of the time. Maybe. Sometimes. Right. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, my listeners know, Shane, how I am Because I, I literally will get into something and I'll just be like, next thing. And don't even finish the sentence. That's not good for a podcast. But hey, I love them. You know, that's why they made an edit button. We're going to leave this in because it's funny, though. It is funny. <laughs> I like, you know, I like to make jokes. It is funny. So, welcome to the Will Danielle figure out what she's saying podcast. <laughs> okay, I will because he helped me. See, he's paying attention. All right, that's now what I do. Baltimore, thank you. So, I'm pretty good at that because when somebody else is speaking, I try to hone in and I like am uberly paying attention to, to know what they said. But Baltimore City Schools, you know, wasn't the best. My oldest one is 21 years old. We left uh, Maryland when he was five years old, just turned five. And I didn't want him to go to school. Actually, ironically, he was going to have to go to school at Harmons Elementary in Hanover because I was a restaurant manager and I was gone all day long, like 4 and 30 in the morning till like literally 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. So... He was either going to have to go to school at his grandparents' neighborhood or, which was my old neighborhood, Harmon's Woods, or um, he was going to go to Baltimore City School. But I didn't have anybody to get him off the bus or anything like that Mm -hmm. or on the bus. So we left and went to Ohio. Talk about that was a culture shock. Way different. So anyway, um, but my fake sister, which I'm very silly, my fake sister was a school teacher. She's older than me. And she worked at Baltimore City Schools. And she said that kids were literally trying to throw desks out of windows. Whoa, boy. So I kind of was kind of like, not scared of kids. I love kids. And my my kids are um, biracial. So my oldest one actually is part Japanese and then my other ones are mixed with black. So it wasn't the fact of race. It was the fact of, is he going to learn? Because they're not getting paid enough and these teachers don't have the resources that they need. And that's what it was about. So when we went to Ohio, it was a different world. But that's the whole, that was my point, I think, was just that that's why we moved because I didn't want him to not go to school where I lived or be away from me all the time. And I didn't want him to go to Baltimore City School either. So, you know, it, in Ohio, though, they they tried. The teachers tried. Now in Georgia, my daughter is nine. They have two teachers, which is awesome. And she had a kid that was neurodivergent. I don't know what his diagnosis is in her class. And she thought the stuff that he said was hilarious. And I'm like, don't laugh at him. Because I said, don't laugh at him. He might get upset. No, he's my friend, mom. He's my friend. He is my friend. I I just think he's funny. And I said, well, he needs to stay on task. So don't get, because, you know, if you have an audience, then it kind of stirs it up a little bit more. He's like, oh, this is funny, huh? Let me keep on going. And, you know, maybe that's why I'm in comedy. I don't know. So maybe I have something <laughs> in common with that child. Because... I'm like, oh boy. Anyway, we're way off task. Okay, now let's get serious. So let's talk about something that I didn't even know existed, which is really cool. So there's a nonprofit. I did not know this. How long have you been a board member of the Nationwide Nonprofit Inattentive ADHD Coalition? 
Um, I just started with them a few months ago. Um, I was brought on because I have business management experience, social media experience, project management experience, and they just needed somebody to kind of come in and kind of help um, um, guide the group and the organization into, you know, really starting to expand their presence, expand their social media presence and start um, to really fulfill the need of the, uh, the organization, which is to provide uh, awareness of inattentive ADHD, um, which as I said earlier, I have. And, you know, that's, you know, that's one of those really frustrating things to deal with because, you know, inattentive ADHD is, is, is often missed in kids. It's, it's very often missed in girls and women over, uh, over a lifetime as well, you know, and, you know, and that's because it's easily masked, right? You know, um, we see them, they're forgetful, they, they don't stay on task easily, they kind of like bounce from things to things, but not in a hyperactive way. They kind of see the world in a different way and, you know, a little bit more socially awkward and they have a little bit more difficulties kind of like um, 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 completing the tasks that they really want to do, but they don't have the, you know, they're easily overwhelmed, right? They get to a certain point where they're like, oh, I was really super excited about all this thing, but oh my God, there's 14,000 things I have to do to make make myself perfect at this thing. <laughs> and, um, and so that's a struggle and that's a, and it's really unfortunate because, you know, most of the funding, most of the research, most of the, the therapy and things of that nature are all kind of tied into hyperactive ADHD and not necessarily, um, you know, inattentive ADHD. And we're trying to build a system to educate people on that, to make changes to our systems, to promote the awareness of uh, inattentive ADHD and bring about a different understanding of, of how to really start to help people manage that inattentive ADHD. By the way, wow. guess which one I think you deal with. <laughs> um, I was going to say, are you talking to me directly? No. <laughs> I feel attacked. Why are you attacking me? <laughs> Everybody, do you see what's happening? No. Yeah, so, no. Here's what's funny about, yeah, here's, go ahead. Here's what's funny about my ADHD. So I am both high-functioning autism and inattentive ADHD. <laughs> Here's why that's a problem-ish kind of for me. Um, my autism side of things wants everything to be structured in order. Everything must be in its own place. Everything has to be routine. Every day I do the exact same thing at the exact same times, the exact same way that I wanted to do it. Right? Mm -hmm. However, the ADHD side of me is like, fuck all that bullshit. <laughs> and it is it is like you try to remember when you you did xyz thing today because i find it more important that you do all of these different things over here and um and of course so there's this little war that happens in my brain fortunately for me i was able to kind of like accidentally just discover how to manage all of that because becoming a project manager in my past life, you know, and because I struggled, I struggled just like everybody else with ADHD does because I didn't fit into the workplaces. I didn't fit into working fast food or having bosses for that matter. I didn't like having to report to people who just did not get how I thought. They didn't understand their own 
business as well as I understood it. I know that sounds really super narcissistic and egotistical, but that's my superpower, right? Like there's a large number of different things in my life where it's very disabling for me as far as ADHD and autism are concerned. However, the things that I am good at, I'm very, very damn good at them. And when I could go into a company, I knew within a few months, I understood everything about that company. I would dive into all of their processes, all of their different uh, techniques and skills and management styles and products and everything. I knew it all everything. I could see the different flows of how things went from point A to point B to point C to point Z, you know, and I would make suggestions. I would say, hey, have y'all thought about trying these things? And of course, my ADHD brain would sit here and start developing all these different ideas and concepts and processes and flows that would really help the company. And I would get in trouble because these business owners and managers are like, I run this company. And I'm like, right. you run it poorly. <laughs> you're not supposed to say that to adults if you're 20 and 21, 22, 23, 24 years old. And I'm just getting super frustrated because I'm sitting here getting you know fired from a couple of jobs and quitting other jobs because I'm like, what the fuck? And, you know, you know, or I get super bored with them because they, they refuse to do anything to make their business better. I am always about better, being better, making things better. I'm always on that. And then, of course, I discovered continuous improvement project management. Uh, Six Sigma is the you know professional term. And it was like I found my dream. And so I started sitting here applying that to all the businesses I would go to. So then I started getting put into roles where I became a subject matter expert. I started becoming put into roles where I would, you know, find myself being asked to improve processes because I had this certification in this uh, project management uh, role. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And then I discovered through working with uh, a few other companies that I could do it as a contracted role or freelance role where I could sit here and work for three months for a company or six months for a company or nine months for a company, making an absolute obscene amount of money doing it. And so I just said, cool, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so then I started doing that. I, w I would work for a company for three months. Cool. Leave on good terms. I'm out. You know, I work for, would work for a company for six months and I would say, you know, I would revamp their entire business and they were like, cool, you know, deuce out. I would go to work for a company and they would be like, we don't care what you think and say. Cool. I'm a contractor. Deuces. I'm out. Right. I had that freedom and ability to move from company to company to company and for the most part, stay in good standing with the the agencies that I worked with. And that's how I started learning how to thrive. I started learning how to take control of that because eventually when I hit 27, 28, 29 and I'm trying to develop, trying to get out of the funk from the divorce I was just in in, in 2007, I said, why am I not applying this stuff to my own life? Right. And so I started putting all these tools in place that I had already developed, you know, working for companies and I started applying it to my own life. And the more that I did that, the more I started understanding it, the more I, my life started being better. Being authentic was one of the big ones I learned about myself. Right. I didn't understand ADHD at the time because I wasn't diagnosed with it, but I did understand that there was something different about me. And I just started being authentically who I was. I accepted who I was. I accepted how I was. 
And then I would move from there to, you know, eventually meeting my wife who appreciated and accepted who I was as well. And yay, you know, that was awesome. awesome. And, um, and I just really enjoyed it. And then I got really sick in 2016. I ignored being sick. And in 2018, my body said no. And I didn't know what to do. And that's actually kind of how I found ADHD life coaching, right? I, I wanted to do something, right? But I had to be, have a very specific way to do things, right? I couldn't let myself overwork myself anymore. I couldn't work 40 hours a week. I had to work in very small blocks every other day or so. I had to be able to work, you know, like, you know, from home and be able to do things in my own methodologies and programs and systems. And, you know, that's how I became an ADHD life coach because I worked with an ADHD life coach and she was amazing. And she was like, as we were kind of talking about everything and I was talking about all the stuff that I understood about ADHD, she was just like, why aren't you an ADHD life coach? And I was like, I didn't know I could make money from that. And she's like, what do you think I do? And I'm like, fair point, touche. I got you there. Uh, so, I, so I, I, I became a life coach and, you know, then I got into this program from my wife through the school system here. And, and that was what really like really cemented my desire to be a, a specifically an ADHD life coach. And the reason that I, I decided to become a relationship coach on top of that is because everything about ADHD is about developing relationships. Right. Everything about ADHD is developing the skills to be able to um, learn to communicate with the people around you, not just your spouse, but your family members, your friends, how to make friends, how to keep friends. You know, so everything comes back to being relationships. And of course, careers are part of relationships, which is why I'm also a career coach. And, you know, I just really enjoy that aspect of helping people kind of learn from the lessons that I learned so long ago and keep learning continuously to this day about how to figure themselves out and live an authentic life for themselves and authentically move forward being who they are and being happy with who they are while at the same time recognizing the limitations that they have and learning how to either get accommodations from the people around them, the work around them, or, you know, being able to be honest about those limitations and saying, this is a boundary I have. I can't be around that, right? This is a boundary I have. I can't do that kind of thing. So I can't work for that kind of company. Uh, like a lot of people don't understand that ADHD is considered an, a disability through the ADA, the Americans with Disability Act. Mm -hmm. And so they don't know that if they have a diagnosis of ADHD, that they can go to their businesses and talk to them and say, I have ADHD. And these are some of the accommodations that I need to have put in place and giving them re reasonable accommodations and saying, how can we put this in place? And the companies have to honor that. If they, ha if they have the ability to be able to put those realistic accommodations in place, they have to honor it. If they don't, they're in violation of the ADA. And if they fire you for it, you have a wrongful uh, uh, termination suit in your hands. And that's why I do this. It's I want people to understand the, 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 the education side of things and why kids are struggling. I want people to understand why they struggled and still struggle because of ADHD and autism issues. 
And it's really important for me to be able to give back to the world and do those things because it's part of fulfilling the purpose that I have and that I've discovered for myself. And that's helping people with these kind of things and, and giving them the support that they need and that positive reinforcement and encouragement that they want and need in their lives and accountability that they need in their lives. It doesn't sound like a nagging old, you know, hag in their heads, you know, because that's our problem, right? We have the boyfriends and the girlfriends who sit here and get pissy because we don't do it the certain way that they want it done. And we sit here and get frustrated and pissed off and we like, oh, stop fucking nagging me. And they're like, well, I'm not nagging you. I just want you to do this thing. It's super frustrating. It causes a feedback loop where we start getting really angry at each other and frustrated and yelling at each other. And it just gets worse and worse. And then nobody's communicating effectively. And I want people to be able to communicate effectively and have those positive, healthy, loving relationships. Anyways, I just talked for a really long time again. I apologize. Don't apologize. It's okay. Um, no, I like it's answered okay. like four of your questions though. Yeah, <laughs> knock them out. Bam, bam, bam. I love it. So that's okay. That's wonderful. I, I, I love that. So I encourage people to just go. And I always say this. I feel like if you said it, it was meant to be said at the time mm-hmm. that you know what I'm saying everything happens for a reason. So go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. Now, if somebody talked for four hours on one question, I'd be like. Halt. <laughs> That's too I can do that. <laughs> okay. Do you think that I cannot? I can definitely do that like, as well. Just no. keep up with me here, people. That's right. There, there you are. Okay. They'll get it. They'll pay. Either you get it or you don't. But then just listen to it again and then you'll get it. You know, that's how I am with stuff. I'm like, oh, wait, I missed that the first time. Okay. Now I get it. So, Okay. Speaking of men, you're right. Like, I feel like, and I haven't looked up statistics. Usually I try to be prepared and look up statistics, but I feel like there's probably a lot of women that have it where we just don't get diagnosed. Or like you said, you can mask it. Absolutely, I agree. Because people know something is going on with me but I try my very, 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 very hardest to be a good listener to, I, for years, could not make eye contact with people. And it's not because I'm a liar. I'm a very honest person. I don't like lying. They're like, if you don't make eye contact, you're lying. No, maybe just something. I don't know. It's just very hard for me to keep eye contact. So, but with, with women, you know, I mean, I don't know if we just don't realize when we're just like, maybe we just have a lot going on. That's why we can't keep focus. Or maybe the reason why I can't finish a task is because of I have too much on my plate. And I made a joke about that. But anyway, I haven't told it yet, but it's kind of funny to me. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so now with men, you have a group, which I think is so amazing. And I want to thank you for that's why I want to do this podcast and I want to talk to everybody because you've said authentic many times and, and that's what my show is about being your authentic self and giving your authentic points of view. So I really appreciate that you have studied it, that you're using your expertise to help other people. And that's how I feel like we should do in life. Like that's why I have this platform because I want to talk to amazing people that maybe already have their stories out there, but I want my listeners to 
hear their stories and for people to know that they're important or listeners to know you're not alone. Everybody is, there's somebody out there going through what you're going through. And I don't want anybody to ever feel like they don't have an outlet, you know, like they don't have anybody that's really in the same boat as them. And so believe me, there are now with the men's group, what is the name of it? I think it's just a basic name, right? Yeah. Facebook group. Yeah. So it's literally called the men's ADHD support group. We kept it super basic. Um, the creator of the the group, Mark Almondavar, um, he created the group a few years ago because he saw this like he saw this environment that a lot of men were having to deal with in co-ed groups, where they would talk about what they were going through and try to be vulnerable, and then other people in the group would be really min- minimalizing what those people are going through and or telling him, oh, just, you know, you're a man, you're supposed to suck it up, you're supposed to X, Y, Z thing, and, you know, just really having to deal with ridicule from both, you know, um, you know, all the gender spectrums. And it was really frustrating for him whenever he would see that because, you know, a man would sit here and talk about an emotional dysregulation moment that he would, that he had gone through, where he did, you know, abuse the people who were around him, but that's kind of what happens when you have emotional dysregulation. And while we do want to hold people accountable, we also have to recognize that the the ADHD brain with emotional dysregulation and, you know, the way that our brains work, there's some things that happen that are out of our control in the moment. And so he would, he would see people who would have these, uh, try to have these conversations. And then it's, you're an abuser, you're a narcissist, you're a gaslighter, you're, you know, you're, you're love bombing, you're a manipulator. And people like, causing a lot of shame and harm to people around themselves when they were just trying to talk about a singular instance that they went through. And, you know, again, people need accountability, but they don't need ridicule and shame. Right. And right. And so then, you know, men would sit here and say something about erectile dysfunction, which is a common side effect for a number of medications that you take for ADHD or mental uh, health issues. And like you, men aren't comfortable talking about things like erectile dysfunction or sexual, um, you know, um, problems and things like that nature. They don't, they're not comfortable talking about like, I don't like sex anymore because of this medication or because of this facet of autism or ADHD. And so Mark had the amazing idea to create this group where that was what they could do. An all men's group. We don't allow any women in the group, you know, um, and we, and it is a very strictly ran group because we have men with ADHD in the group. Um, and so, <laughs> but the the other aspect of this was the other men's groups that were out there seemed to be completely full of just toxic masculinity. This nasty stereotype of what a man was supposed to be and it had a lot of misogyny in it and blaming wives and um and blaming women for the troubles that they were having and the struggles that they were dealing with and the ridicule that they were dealing with and there was a lot of behaviors where these you know um 
people who follow like Jordan Peterson and, and other uh, types of uh, misogynists like that would sit here and try to lay the blame for everything that's wrong with men at women's feet and things of that nature and, and ignore the, the, the pain and suffering and struggle that women face in our society. And it, he, it's, it's a very disgusting thing to see, and we still see it to this day. So Mark wanted to have a group where that stuff didn't happen. And he brought people on board who understood the importance of positive encouragement, positive discussions, keeping the conversations on, on track and developing a support system and community and, you know, really just holding each other up and comforting each other and working through these really difficult conversations, working through like, you know, giving people the understanding that you're not weird, you're not abnormal, these things happen. Like, you know, we, you know, we really see a lot of people who struggle with things that men struggle with really opening up and discussing them and having conversations and even learning how to deal with them. Right. You know, there's examples of men sitting here talking about a situation with their wives where they lashed out at them, emotional dysregulation and other men coming in and saying, Hey man, you've got to be better than that. And these are some tips and techniques to where you can like be able to help, you know, work through your emotional dysregulation. You gotta be seeing a therapist, right? We gotta, you know, you need to be making these steps to go see a therapist. You need to talk to a relationship coach. You need to talk to a relationship therapist and counseling and 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 work through these issues because it sounds like your wife is tr trying her best and you're trying, but there's some miscommunications happening in here. And it's not this, oh, dude, you gotta be stronger than that. Oh, dude, you gotta be you know, better than that. Oh, your wife is an asshole. It's, it's not a whole lot, well, that happens, but those people don't last long in our group. You know, we're kind of dictators like that. Um, <laughs> and so, but what we wanted was this environment for men to be able to come into and talk about the things that they deal with and understand that people are going to be supportive and help them and, you know, really deal with the things that mattered to them and, and be able to talk about the random shit that people with ADHD talk about, like living in Maryland near the same time. Um, <laughs> and so, but, but we wanted to have that environment. And so, um, so I, you know, last year I came into the, the group and I started talking and giving people advice without, you know, really spamming or anything like that, because it's a non-spam group, even though all of the, the admins and mods are all coaches of some sort, we don't advertise our services in there. We don't allow other people to advertise their services in there. And that, that was the third aspect. What market seen was a lot of groups were created by coaches to essentially sell, all of these solutions to people who are struggling and and that's really frustrating when you want to you want actual support and to get help these people are trying to sell you on a thousand dollars a month programs or fifteen hundred dollars a month programs and they're just wanting somebody to go talk to and have a community and so we all worked started working together and you know i you know i was like hey i'd love to come on and help you know this is my background and mark saw something in me and brought me in and we've been working together to kind of really expand out what we do and now we're all over social media you know so facebook page twitter page instagram um, we're trying to get a TikTok and youtube thing but everybody has a life and we can't get all the content out that we want um and, you know, it's just been really rewarding. It's been really, you know, amazing to see these different people who come into the group 
And at first, they were like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. And then we were like, hey, you're in a group for ADHD. It sounds like you have ADHD. And like, you should go to a psychiatrist. <laughs> you should go to a therapist. You know, hey, here's some great techniques and tips and tricks of how to do all these different things. And, you know, we talk about rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is a common uh, occurrence for men with ADHD and women with ADHD. You know, we talk about the different ways that um, ADHD presents in different people. And some people are hyperactive. Some people are inattentive. Some people are combined. What does that mean? You know, we talk about comorbidities like PTSD, right? PTSD is a big deal for us because I said this earlier. We're four times more likely to develop it over smaller uh, things. And people with ADHD, like men with ADHD, don't understand it. Being in an abusive relationship, a mentally and emotionally abusive relationship, causes harm to us, and we don't ever process it. But then we have triggers that happen around us later on down the road where we lash out at the person who did the trigger, not realizing that we're responding to the trauma in our past, because that's how our brains work. And they think that there's something wrong with them. In this case, they did something wrong, but there's nothing wrong with them. They just need to get help and support, not vilified and, and beat up over something that they didn't really have a whole lot of control over the fact in the, in the moment. And so it's just, it's a really fun group to be a part of. We talk about a lot of really great things. We have a Discord channel um, that, you know, is a chat server where we can sit and talk about just whatever the random shit that we want to talk about. And um, we're going from there. It's it's just been really rewarding. I think that's really amazing. And you said his name is Mark. Is that who? Mm -hmm. started? Yeah, that was really awesome of him. And again, I'm not trying to make everything about me because totally not. But this is the reason <laughs> why I like I love this. You know, my show because I, a man said to me, uh, we're. It was like at a comedy open mic. And he said, I really think it's awesome that you talk to men. And I said, what? And he said, I think it's awesome that you listen to men and that you really care, you know, what men think and all this stuff. And I said, well, I don't understand. I said, of course I do. And he said, well, so many experiences that he had was women would just like, like, you know, like some women think that only our emotions and opinions count and all that. I'm not saying, sorry, women, some, I said some, I didn't say everybody, but you know, and probably there's men like that. It, it goes both ways. But a lot of times in the relationship, when you look at a wedding, it's about the bride. When you look at this, it's about the woman. When you look at, you know, of course, when a woman's having a baby, sorry, men, the woman is having a baby, literally. So we're going to give that one to her. <laughs> Once the baby's there, then it's about both parents and the baby. But during the birthing process, mm, yeah, no, it hurts. So it's the woman. <laughs> but the, th the thing is, like... It's the man's fault. I'm in pain. Yeah, uh, give it, it... Dang it. Why'd you do this to me? Uh, no. So anyway, but the thing is, like, I, I love... And that sounds really weird. I was how I was gonna word it. I was gonna say I love listening to men be vulnerable. That's weird. But I love that I have interviewed so many men that have felt comfortable. That's how I'm gonna word mm -hmm. it. Comfortable enough to be vulnerable with me and to talk about things, you know, and for my audience, because men 
are just as important as fathers. I talk about that all the time. The father is just as important as the mother. And that is hard, you know, and as being a young single mom, I didn't always probably think that way. And those dads were not stepping up and doing what they were supposed to. But the point is, you know, listening and I have, my boyfriend is amazing. He's helped me see so many things in the last four years, but that opened my eyes because I saw his point of view and I love talking to men. And I've talked to so many men that I had no clue, you know, they used to be homeless or they're single parents. Now they have custody of their kids. They went through so many things. They face, you know, discrimination on stuff or, or whatever the case may be. And I love that men are open enough that to share that because so many times there's this stigma, like you said, men gotta be tough. They can't say this. They're not allowed to have feelings. That's ridiculous. Come on, dudes. Like, and you know, sometimes my dad, my dad was in the military and his father died and he didn't even cry. Um, and that's the kind of thing that I saw a man when I was little and I was like, oh, okay. And so, but you know, well, of course, when my brother passed away, my dad cried, of course, because that's your kid. And it was really hard, but I, I feel like, you know, men having this platform is so awesome of you guys. And I'm so glad that you're strict with it and you don't let just crazy, stupid shit happen and people are acting like idiots because that's not helpful. And that's the whole point, it sounds like, of your group is to be a support system and be helpful and also, like you said, hold accountability. Uh, no, we can't beat somebody up because they made us upset. You know, <laughs> like, we, you can't do that. But it's okay to share your feelings. Try it in a different way. Right. Punch and a pillow. I'm just yeah. good. You know, and I, I think what what we really wanted to bring to the group is not just a, a place where men can do bitch fest, but where, where they can get the honest advice, right? Yeah. I think one of the, my favorite aspects of the group is that, you know, as admins and moderators, we really we 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 had certain things that happened in the past where trans men would come into the group and there were people in the group who were like, oh, what are you doing in this group? Right? And they would sit here and, and be really toxic and shitty about stuff. And we were like, wait, hold on a second, y'all. Y'all better really, really recognize trans men are men. They are allowed to be in this group. The, the, this, that's what we created this group for. And if you don't like it, you can kick rocks. Yeah. And, you know, while obviously we had a few people who were like, well, that's not true. And I'm like, well, no, you're not here anymore. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure that people understood that. And the huge majority of the group were like in the comment sections of some of these posts going, yo, no, you can't act like that. That's a man you're talking to. You can't treat them like that. And seeing all of these different men from different walks of life, from different political spectrums, from different um, um, countries and things like that, walk uh, stepping into these conversations and saying, no, you can't treat a human being like that. They're, they're supposed to be here. This is, the, this is the environment that they need to be able to be vulnerable in here. And you can't treat them like that. Seeing that happen 
was really, really good. And here's the thing. The people didn't attack those people. They, they spent so much time just educating them, right? And the admin team stepped in and we started educating things. And the trans men in the group were like, no, you need to understand what it was like for me and why I am, you know, who I am and how yeah. I got to this point. And, and then all of these different people showing this brotherhood and the support to these people, we started seeing some of these people's minds change. I didn't know that. I'm so sorry. Uh, obviously, we had the outliers, the, the few, the people who were just like, they were they were consistently shitty and Trumpy about it, and they got kicked from the group. They got banned from the group. We don't want those people in the group. You know, we are here to support all, in our, all everyone in our brotherhood. So, like, that was so important. And seeing that happen was probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. Like, it was, it was so rewarding to see people not immediately villainize these people, unless they were super shitty, but not immediately villainize and, and jump on them and beat them up and, and treat them like crap or anything like that, but take the time to educate them and to have conversations with them that were positive for the most part and then hold them accountable for the actions that they were having and this the words that they were saying like you don't understand the kind of damage that you're doing when you come at somebody like this right like yeah. how did you feel in those other groups that you came to this group from where when they attacked you for doing certain things and like you know and so we saw some minds get changed and it was really cool and our entire environment changed where people were like, okay, I have to learn to be a better person. And so now we're seeing that happening within a group, people who were asking questions, even difficult questions like, you know, am I abusing my wife and telling like a story about things that have happened and people going, Hey man, it sounds like you are, you've got to get some control over yourself. You need to talk to your doctor. Y'all need therapy you may need a divorce because you're causing your wife harm. Mm -hmm. And these people aren't being angry about it. They're, they're, they're feeling difficult emotions, right? But they're also recognizing that they need to be better people, right? There's a lot of aspects of ADHD and autism spectrum that can come off as abusive. And it is, abusive, but we, we're not doing it intentionally. However, once we understand that we are doing this thing that is harmful to people, then we have to either make changes or acknowledge that we're being abusers. And I'm seeing a lot of men who are starting to acknowledge that they've been abusive and trying to make real change in their lives. Right. And that's the kind of transformation that we've been really trying to encourage people to understand. Right. There's so many facets of ADHD that seems like it's coming off as gaslighting because when somebody sits here and says, hey, did you do this thing? And we're like, what are you talking about? You didn't ask me to do that thing. That's a memory issue for us. We don't remember you asking us to do that thing. However, you did. And now we've gaslit you because, or it seems like we've gaslit you because we really didn't remember. What do we do when we learn that we are doing that to somebody? right? That they actually did tell us or ask us to do that thing. Well, now we have to figure out how to work around that and develop tools for that. 
And men are starting to learn that in the group. And it's really rewarding to see it. You know, men are starting to understand what love bombing means and how that is a manipulator tactic. But we do it kind of naturally because of how hyper-focus works, right? We're really hardcore into somebody for seven months and we mask to fit the exact thing that their dating profile says that they want from a person. That's love bombing, but we're doing it because that's what we think you want. Right. And then six to eight months later, when we start to get comfortable with you and we are who we are, you feel like shit because we're not giving you the same attention anymore. We didn't mean to do that to you. We didn't recognize that that's an abusive tactic. But what happens when we do learn that that's an abusive tactic? And I've seen men who are learning and, and acknowledging and understanding what that is. And it's really, again, it's one of the reasons why I love the group so much is not just that men are able to come on there and gripe and yell, but it's men watching men learn and grow and develop into better people. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I'm so glad that you guys have that outlet. Um, I wonder if there's a female group. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you know, I should. There, are, there are, there are, there are female groups okay. and everything like that. Um, I'm not going to judge them. However, oh, I have had friends who have gone there and said okay. that they are, they can be catty. That's the exact oh, word mind. that was used by a woman to me. Um, uh, you know, but again. Change comes from the people coming into those groups and saying, hey, this isn't cool. Why are y'all acting like this together? Yeah. Right? And, like, it's it comes from people like Mark Almodovar who sat here and went into these groups and saw this, these, 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 these struggles that men were facing and said, okay, I will create a group like this. Right? I am going to make this happen. I am going to develop the, the, the tools that these people need. I am going to bring in people like myself and other uh, members of our admin team um, and, and really develop this uh, uh, environment. You know, I'm going to work with this podcaster uh, named John Hazelwood and really start to develop a, a, an environment and teach men that it's okay to be better and vulnerable and understand and learn and, and that it's okay to be these kind of people and to help our, help ourselves learn to be accountable. Like that's what we have to do. If we see a problem, we have to fix it. And if we can't fix it from being an influence, then we can fix it by creating our own space and inviting the people and developing the system and developing the programs and the, the expectations and the accountability systems that need to be had for those kind of spaces. Wow. I love it. I'm so glad that you shared this with us. Um, I really, I really love that there, I didn't know it was that in detail. So that's really awesome that you're kind of giving us the inside scoop of the group. Hey, that rhymes. Uh, so <laughs> unintentional rhyming. Okay. I like to rhyme. Now, what, what is like the main thing there's probably like 6 million things. What is the main thing that you want people to know about living with ADHD? Like if you explained it like in one, two sentences to someone or how to be more understanding, maybe like how, what would you ex say to them? Jesus, you're asking me one or two sentences. Have you seen me talking? Gosh, dang. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm just saying no, like a, a main thing just that if somebody said like, <laughs> no, hey, um, how could I help my how could I be supportive to my son that has ADHD? What is like one main thing that would you would tell them? 
Um, I'm going to use three sentences here. Okay. First off, people with ADHD or autism aren't broken. They're they're perfectly valid, normal people within the context of what normal means. Um, and they just have difficulty with certain aspects of our society that has built itself around a neurotypical status quo. Um, so don't treat them that way. Secondly, if you have people in your life that have ADHD, learn everything you can about ADHD and how to support people with it. Learn from them, ask your friend questions about what does ADHD mean for them, right? Take the time to learn these things and, and to work with the people around you. Um, finally, if you are a supporter, a loved one, or a friend or family, recognize that social aspects of ADHD and autism are completely different than neurotypical, mm -hmm. right? You are going to have to work harder to be a part of our lives because of how our brains work, right? Our memories don't function the same way, so you will have to take some time to message us and, and help us and talk to us and, and, and be a part of our lives if that's what you want to be. It takes effort to be our friends, and that sucks for some people. However, if you do take the effort to be our friends, we are absolutely fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. um, we are ride or die, like drive 1,500 miles to pick you up kind of friends. We are the do you need to bury the body kind of people, like, mm -hmm. right? We have we have different morality things, people here. If you need that to happen, just saying um, we're great hitmen and women. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm only partially joking. Still kind of joking. Um, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you know, just like, like just live life, recognizing that it's okay to live a life that other people don't understand, right? It's okay for us to be who we are, and like, and just find the acceptance and happiness that they can ha that they can find in what they deal with, and 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 live your life. You know, that was definitely way more than two to three sentences. I don't care. You're anymore. in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> like, naughty, I don't care. Anarchy must reign. Yes, who cares about that? So now I agree, and you made some really good points. So I'm not diagnosing myself, but just saying, like, one thing that I would say, and even dealing with my son is to take a breath mm -hmm. because you know sometimes you and think before you talk which is hard for me because 200 things are going on that i have to figure out which one is the most important thing or the least offensive or the the best thing to say at that time so but stop that's my advice. So either if you have it, have ADHD, or you have someone that you are friends with, or your kid, or your parent, or whatever that has ADHD, in the times of frustration, don't just do bleh, dumpster and just say whatever, because that could be harmful. And even though we forget things, you might remember that for the rest of your life. That's something that might stick with you is a negative thing. So just be careful and be mindful of things. 
don't say stuff like, cause I've been hurtful, not on purpose, but being a young mom and my son used to beat up my other son. I mean, beat the crap out of him. So now I'm in the middle of holy moly. Do I have to protect this one? And I have to protect this one because he was not in the right psychotic. Like he was having a, a break and he just literally picked up a dining room table at four years old and threw it. And I had to protect the one, the older one, and protect the other one mentally. So, you know, you have to stop and think as fast as you can in that situation. But in any situation, if you have a kid that's struggling or has ADHD, be their advocate. Be their advocate. Be there for them. Know that. Try to think how they're feeling. And I always try to do that with my son. Now, I had moments where I was so upset that I would literally, as a single parent, have to go on the porch and just cry sometimes because I didn't want to do it in front of him and make him more upset because he cared. He just didn't know how to communicate stuff. Like, he cared so much that it was just, like, all came out, like, like, you know, like, and I'm just like, no, you know. So that's my thing that I would say is just, like, kind of just take a breath and try to think of it in the other person's shoes. If you had a million things going on in your head, how would you feel? That would be frustrating as crap. So that's, you know, think of it from the other person. That's advice for anything, mm -hmm. for anything. If you see a homeless person, think about that. So, so many people are quick to judge and they just think they know everything. Oh, I know why they, that person's on drugs. You don't know you don't know what's going on. You don't know why this person is overweight. I'm overweight. You don't know. Um, I have a hiatal hernia that makes me look pregnant. That's annoying. But, you know, I mean, so you don't know what's going on with people. You it, And it's not our place to know that. It's none of our business. So just, just be mindful of stuff and be kind. That's what I say all the time. Think about that. Think about your child and know that they need you. Or your friend. Your friend needs you. They might not know how to communicate, but they're trying. Hopefully. Some people may not be trying, but, you know, read the room. So if they're really trying and it's just not making sense or they kind of ghost you for a while, they still love you. They're just dealing with their own things. You know? Do, do you agree, Shane? I mean, like, I've ghosted my own family before. Not on purpose. But it's just I mean like... You know, you get in your lost in your own situation, your own world, and it's like kind of sometimes forget about the things that are on the outside of your world. So that's just my experience. So but, I'm I'm gonna go back to what I said earlier. You should talk to your psychiatrist <laughs> and get diagnosed. You know, I'm not diagnosing you by any means uh, necessary, but I've Sounds been reading like the different uh, uh, diagnostic criteria for ADHD for a very long time, and you've got a number of them. Um, oh. <laughs> no, I know. I, no, I, I, but, I agree. I'm sure. But here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing that people don't understand about ADHD. You remember earlier when I said the who, what, when, where, why, and how of things? Mm -hmm. Right? You remember the when part? When? We don't deal with time the same way neurotypical people do. Right? Time for certain neurotypical people is point A to point B. You know, past, past to present. Right? There's past, present, future. Right? Mm -hmm. Beep, beep, beep. All right. For people with ADHD, it's all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey to take the words of Doctor Who. And, like, things that, ha what, things that we think are, like, literally two days ago 
is six months ago. Things that were like 20 years ago were three days ago, right? Like our brains don't measure time in the same way. We don't even acknowledge time in the same way. And so we may not have talked to one of our friends for six months. And then we message them to talk about the literal last thing that we were talking to them about as if we never stopped talking, right? And then we feel really shitty because we realize it says, you know, August 15th, and now we're like December 15th, and we're like, my bad. (laughs) Sorry about that. I did not know that we haven't talked. And this is why I go back to what I was saying earlier. Like, if it, it is a little bit harder to be our friends because, you know, we may not remember to message you back or things of that nature. And most of us hate to talk on the goddamn phone. Um, so don't fucking call me. Uh, but, you know, we, we need people who try to stay in a part of our lives and recognize that, again, ADHD affects us differently. And so when it comes to time concepts, like, eh, we don't do that thing, right? If you tell, if you say, you know, hey, it was like six days ago that I asked you to do this thing, we're like, no, dude, you you told me like one day ago. Nope, nope, it was six days ago. Still not done. Shit. You know? Like, that's why, like, when people sit here and say, you've got two weeks to do it, we're like, okay, cool, two weeks to do it. And then three days before it's due, we're like, oh, no, shit, that's gotta be done. And we freak out. that Uh We don't see time the way other people do. So, again, if you want to be a part of our lives, you have to recognize that we need firm understandings of time frames from you and and going forward and, and living that life. So, Well, you're better than I am because uh, mine is called one day before. <laughs> Not three <laughs> well, days before. Mine is called, oh, snap, is it such and such date? Ooh, I think I have something on tomorrow. Let me look it up. And then I'm like, oh, it is tomorrow. Great. I have, okay. I have 10 years of practice and I still fuck up, you know? <laughs> um, and that's the thing. Like, you you just have to learn and put the tools in your life to, to make it so that, you know, it's hard for you to fuck up, you know? And then if you do fuck up, learn from it and, and say, okay, that I... I I didn't do the thing I was supposed to do. I didn't put it in a calendar. I didn't put my reminders in place. I didn't set the alarm and then set the alarm, put the things in the <laughs> reminders, put the calendar down and like keep doing that kind of stuff and just acknowledge when you mess up that, you know, I messed up. Okay, cool. That's not the end of the world. Right. Yeah. Like, unless you're the one hit, that's supposed to not hit the nuclear launch code when you're oh, uh, told to, <laughs> like, it's literally not the end of the world. Right. And you know, <laughs> If you know, like you just, just, just do your best. That's really all you can do is just to do your best, you know, like small steps as consistently as you're able, as often as you're able, and then learning from whatever mistakes that you make along the way. That's how we need to live life. So, yeah. Um, also, because you said that you were going to forget to tell me this, um, if anybody's looking for me on Facebook or or the TikTok or the Instagram oh or gosh. any of the social media things, if you liked what I have said and you want my help with coaching and, and relationships and careers and family and and all of that whatnot, you can find me at anywhere at Creating Order from Chaos. So my website is www.creatingorderfromchaos.com. My Facebook uh, page and Instagram page are Creating Order from Chaos Coaching. Uh, You can find me at TikTok at Creating Order from Chaos because I'm amazing and got that name on there. And... uh, 
LinkedIn, creating the order from chaos. So all of the above. Woohoo. So I was going to remember just to let you know. <laughs> this is the time I would, I was going to remember. No, I do forget so many things. I want to tell a really funny story really quick. And I, um, if you watch my reels on Instagram, you have seen this. Uh, my boyfriend and I, oh, that's another thing. Understand this. And I don't know if this is for you, Shane, that I am very comfortable sometimes pushing people away because I have a hard time dealing with certain things. So it's easier for me, which is not right. I'm not saying this is right. This is not right. It's easier for me to go whoop and cut it off than just like kind of try to get it organized and try to work. I love to work on things and I love people. And if you knew me, I'm like one of the most giving, caring people ever. I love people. I will give you my shirt. I will, I help people all the time. I will do things for people. But if something is like not working, for instance, I'm like, okay, let's just be done. And that's not sometimes helpful. But my boyfriend and I broke up for a little while, which I talked about it on the podcast. And I literally, mm -mm, this was so sad. What in the world? I literally kept forgetting to take the trash out. So <laughs> somebody said to me, because they know how I am, hey, you have to set a reminder. Please set a reminder on your phone. So I did a video one time because this is true. I forgot to set the reminder to remind myself to take out. <laughs> so it's like, who's going to remind me to remind myself to set the reminder? Like, who's going to do that? So anyways, it was kind of funny. And that's very true of what happened. And then he came back and then he takes it out and he he remembers every every week. I'm like, yes. That's about what happens. Yeah. So, all right. So we will find you. I will find you too. Seems like that I need to find you as well. Uh, <laughs> I already know where to find you. So I will be reaching out seriously. And you really have helped me a lot, to be honest. And this is not a selfish, this is not why I do the podcast. But I'm very thankful that you have given us advice, including myself. That you've listened to me, because I went on a tangent. And that you cared enough to listen to me and try to, you're still trying to help me actively live, you know, helping me. And I really appreciate it because it's something that makes me sad sometimes. I, I'm not, I'm not depressed, I would say, but I do get sad. I do get sad because I literally go in the closet, even at work at the hospital sometimes, and I need to just clear my thoughts and calm myself down. And Sometimes when I don't finish tasks or I don't do things that the way that it should be or on time or whatever, it makes me upset with myself. And so you've helped me a lot. And I, I can't explain how much that means to me. And I cry almost every episode. I didn't cry, but I'm close to it because I really, I really mean it from the bottom of my heart that this has helped me and I've needed this. I needed you to tell me these things and to explain it the way that you did. And you're so awesome. I'm so glad that you really are a great father that you looked into things and that's how this all started. 
and your your son is very um blessed to have you and and everybody that you help is because you really in this shorter period of time i mean it's been almost two hours but it's tiny tiny amount of time when you compare how many hours we have in a week a day or whatever that you've really broken down things and made me understand myself and i already knew that i have stuff i mean i really do need to go talk to someone and uh thank you for correlating stuff with like the ptsd thing because of um you know, I was in abusive relationships physically when I was younger, uh, and I've had a lot of things happen. My brother died tragically, and so those things really stemmed, and my personality changed a lot when my brother died. And so correlating the two things, you know, helps me understand and give me more, like, then I can focus more if I understand the why, because I know it's hard for us to understand the why. So like knowing it and trying to figure it out really helps me get myself, my thoughts together. So I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You are so awesome, Shane. I thank you so much. Thank you, your wife, for being a um, a teacher, special ed education teacher. Uh, my uncle did it for 35 years and he actually helped me a lot with my son because he could talk to him on a different level and a stern male eye to eye, but caring, I'm listening to you kind of level. And sometimes talking to an outsider, you know, getting help, getting therapy will help a lot because somebody can see something that you can't see when you're in it. So thank you so much, seriously, for coming on and talking. And I literally will be in touch with you and I will give you updates on myself when I go do what I'm supposed to do. And um, I really am just I'm just happy that I met you and you're awesome. You're an awesome guy. Thank you for being an advocate for everybody with ADHD, but men also, and knowing that you guys, you guys are just as important. Your feelings are important and the things that you go through are important. So the, those men are also, you know, blessed to have you and Mark and everybody else, whoever is in your group and please follow them guys because they're awesome. If you're a man that's going that has ADHD and you're not going to be a judgmental butthead and cause problems in the group, go into the group. <laughs> if you want to cause problems, don't go into the group. <laughs> I mean, you're more than welcome to come into the group. I'll just kick you out if you become an <laughs> asshole. That's all I'm saying. We'll be held accountable. Um, you know, and hey, look. Like, I'm not trying to be a dick about this. It's just like I have people to protect, and I'm very protective. And so, um, you know, you can sit here and talk shit at me all day long, but the minute you talk to my people the wrong way, I'm I'm done. So, um, good coach. Yep. Uh, coaching advice that I can give you right now: set a reminder or alarm to call uh, to call a psychiatrist. Okay. Like right uh, now. I'm no, no I no. am. I'm doing it in front of you. <laughs> I have to because I'll forget. I oh, know. <laughs> here, here's the sad thing. So I write down my jokes in uh, an app called Notes. Mm -hmm. So I wrote down my jokes in the app called Notes. I just said that twice. Now, didn't back them up. My oh. phone. Yep. Lost all my jokes. 
and my phone's gone. So somebody said to me, you might have to go watch all of your videos to write down your jokes. I'm like, huh? <laughs> I don't think I That's not happening. <laughs> no, I was um, like, do you so, know me? So my uh so my my tool of choice is Google Drive, Google Tasks, and Google uh um keep. Okay. Which, Google that keep. Way, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's essentially just like sticky notes. Um but yeah, uh, that way I don't have to worry about that stuff. It, my my phone can get destroyed, my computer can get destroyed, it's all on the net. And so I I'm I'm happy with it. So um I had fun. I really appreciate you having me on. I really appreciate the conversation. Um um you know, uh I'm looking forward to helping you and working with you and talking more to you about these things. So <laughs> no problem. I'll talk to you later, okay? All right, bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Authentic Points of View podcast. I hope that something you heard today changes your point of view. If you would like to share your views, please email me at authenticpointsofview at gmail.com or leave a comment on Facebook at Authentic Points of View podcast. Remember, always be mindful of other people's journeys and have open ears and an open heart.